All right, all right, all right. How you guys doing today? Good, good, good. It's good to be with you guys. We just finished a series called Peace in an Anxious World. I think it was a good series, but we're not starting a new series today. Instead, I really want to talk to you guys about a passage of scripture that's just been on my heart really heavy. Uh, and let me tell you why. One of the things that fascinates me most as a pastor is like that only God can change somebody's heart. I have seen it over and over and over again. I have preached messages that I'm like, that was a good message. And people are like, hmm, who cares? And then I preach messages that are like just trash. Like I feel like people get less saved when I'm done. And then sometimes, like, though, if God wants to move, they're like, the Lord is just so good. I'm like, how does that happen? Seriously, think about people that are, like, jacked up, okay? We just, we all know them. They live however they want. They don't try to live for God, right? We all know those people. And then something happens. Maybe you've seen this before. And something, like, changes in their life. And you're like, is this really going to stick? And, like, they go through time. And sure enough, like, they actually start to change, and a year goes by, and you're like, I guess it's going to take. I guess it wasn't just a thing. I've seen that happen with students in this youth group. I've seen it happen for my friends, and it just makes me ask this question. How does God change an unbelieving heart? Help me out say that. How does God change an unbelieving heart? That's actually a question that me and you should be able to answer. One, for ourselves, if we're Christians, we should want to know, like, how is God continually changing my heart? But it's also a question we should want to know for our friends who aren't Christians. Like, how might God be able to change their heart? And the answer to this question, I believe, lies in Luke chapter 24, 13 through 34. I don't have time to read the whole story. I wish I did. We're already a little bit behind. But let me just start uh, telling you what's going on. There's these two guys. You out there? Everybody say, two guys. There's two guys. And they're walking from Jerusalem all the way to this city called Emmaus. Basically, this happens three days after Jesus is crucified, right? So they are so sad because they believe that Jesus was the Messiah. They thought Jesus was going to save them from the Roman oppressors. And so on their way, they're just so dejected talking about how disappointed they are. Well, somewhere along the way, Jesus comes and joins them on this walk. But he hides his identity from them. So they're literally talking to Jesus about Jesus, but they don't know it's Jesus. And somewhere along this seven-mile walk from Jerusalem to Emmaus, Jesus changes their heart. And they go from people who are misspeaking on Jesus' name to people who actually believe in him. Now, if you read the story closely, you can see what Jesus does to change your heart. And it blew my mind. Let me tell you why. Because when I saw how Jesus changed their heart, it was the exact same way that he changed mine. So let me ask you this. You do not have to raise your hand. I only want people that are like serious. If you're like, yeah, I've felt the Holy Spirit and like he's done a work in my heart before to where he changed me. Would you raise your hand? Would you be so bold? Okay. So the few of y'all that are in here, see if it's the way he changed your heart. Because it is the way he changed my heart. Um, story starts like I said, they're walking, talking to Jesus, basically talking about this failed Messiah, which, to put it in context, it'd be like if I went to your school and sat at your lunch table, but you didn't know it's me, and then you were just like, you know who I hate? This stupid pastor at SM. He's just literal garbage. And I was like, mm-hmm, cool, 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 right? So that's what's going on. And now Jesus, though, he starts, and he's about to change their heart. Here's what he does. You're not ready for it. it made me laugh. Luke 24, 25 through 27, Jesus finally starts talking. You read the underlying part. You know how it goes. It says this. 
Then Jesus said to them, you, you foolish people, which makes me laugh, man. They're just having a casual conversation with this guy. They don't even know. He's like, idiots, you foolish people. You find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Verse 27 says, then, this is important, then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets. If you don't know what that is, that's the Old Testament, Moses and the prophets. Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining, watch this, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Basically, in a nutshell, the first thing that we see Jesus doing to change their heart is explaining his word. So the first way Jesus changes a heart is through his word explained. Help me out. His word explained. Now, this is why I love this. Because the first time that Jesus really got my attention is because I heard somebody teach the Bible in a way that made sense to me. And I was just like, something went off on the inside. I was like, oh my, like, I just remember freaking out. Like, the Bible's real and relevant. And so what Jesus starts doing is he starts explaining the scriptures to them. But it says this. It says that he shows them how all the Old Testament really concerned himself. So he's talking about how it all pointed to Jesus. So let me just give you an example. Maybe Jesus was walking along, and he pointed them to an Old Testament scripture like Isaiah 53.10. It says this. This is the Old Testament. It says, but it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he'll have many descendants. He'll enjoy a long life and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hand. So Jesus maybe is walking along and showing these guys like, don't you understand? Like even the Old Testament pointed to this guy named Jesus. He was supposed to be crushed on the cross. And he's showing them all these things. And essentially what he's showing them is this. The whole Bible is about me. Now, I'm going to try to put this in your world. I don't know if I'll do a good job. But the first way God changes your heart is by explaining the word. But these people knew the scriptures, but Jesus thought there was a better interpretation or a better understanding of the scriptures than they had. He had to show them, no, if the scripture doesn't point me to you, I mean you to me, he didn't say me because they didn't know it was him. The scripture doesn't point you to Jesus, then you're reading it wrong. And I think that's important for, for a couple reasons. How do you know? When you hear the Bible being explained to you, how do you know if it's right or not? Because sometimes, oh, y'all make me mad with some of like the, oh, like TikToks y'all send me about like some random like 13-year-old in his basement being like, want to understand Revelations? Here you go, the seven-headed beast. This, this, this. And I'm like, what are you watching? What is this? And who's that kid? And he's kidnapped. There's no way he wants to be there. And so I'm just saying, like, how do you know that the Bible is being explained in a way? Because here's the thing. you got to be careful, man. People will package the Bible in a way they think sells best. But they won't always do it in a way that points to Jesus. Let me give you an example. When you read the Bible, does it point to Jesus? Meaning, does it show you in Jesus? I say this all the time. When you look at Jesus, it shows you two things. It shows you, I was so sinful that someone had to die for me. Oof. But it also shows me I was so loved that somebody died for me. That alone changes the heart. So does it point you to that and make you develop the fruit of the Spirit, make you more like Jesus? Or is it centered on something else? Let me give you an example. A lot of preachers will talk about how they'll use the Bible, but it's not really about Jesus. It'll be about just prospering. And so it's like God is like an afterthought. 
but really the whole Bible is centered on, hey, if you do all these steps, you can have millions of dollars and Lamborghinis and all this stuff. And I'm not saying God doesn't want to bless you. I'm saying that that isn't what the Bible's about. But you'll have people who preach this, and this is why it's dangerous, because you'll have people who believe that version of the gospel, not one that points to Jesus himself. And so they'll do all these steps, and they don't have millions of dollars, and they'll be like, well, I did all of this, and God, I'm not like the richest person in the world. And I feel like there are times where Jesus is saying, yeah, but you're believing a gospel I didn't even preach. Jesus said, I'm teaching you all the things concerning myself. I'm not saying God doesn't want to bless you. I'm saying there's people that make it more about that than they make it about Jesus. Does that make sense? And so, or there's other people that make it about like a gospel of good works. And they'll say, oh, this is important because I believe this for a long time. They'll say, well, if I do all the right steps, then God has to bless me and take care of me. Now, he will. But if you do all the right things, that doesn't mean nothing's ever going to go wrong in your life. Just read the Bible. But you have these people who they, they do all the right things, but they had a gospel and a Bible and scripture centered on good works, not on Jesus. So they do all these things. And then maybe like a family member still passes away. Maybe something happens that it's still hard on them. And if you're not careful, what happens is they turn their back on God and they're like, God, you failed me. And, and God's standing up there and being like, well, you're, you're believing a gospel. I didn't even preach. Listen, the, the gospel, this is what I'm trying to tell you. The word explained has to point you to Jesus, has to point you to his love, his mercy of our sinfulness, and how in him is the fullness of life, the fullness of blessing. Any other message will eventually collapse on you because it's not centered on him. And if it's not centered on him, it does not have his strength. But if it's all about him, it's all up to him. Okay, does that make sense? I'm trying to explain that. Maybe I should have left that part out for you guys, but it's important. And as you get older, thank you, Ian. He's running the camera, but he's like, no, it's good. Thanks. You're good. Okay, so the first way Jesus does this, no, I'm serious, because listen, the gospel is not self-help. It's not. The gospel is not self-preservation. You know what the gospel is? The gospel is self-abandonment. It's knowing that I have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. So this life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, the main character, who gave himself to set me free. When it's less about you and more about Jesus, you get Jesus' strength backing you up. So the first thing Jesus does is he explains the word. But then they finally get to the destination. I got to hurry. They're probably out of me. Are they already out? Lord bless them. I don't know who preached, but I'm going to email them. Okay. Verse 28, they finally get to their destination, and it says, By this time, they were nearing Emmaus, and at the end of their journey, Jesus acted, I guess it's not up there, acted as if he were going on. Verse 29 says, But they begged him, Stay the night with us, since it's getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly, their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. So catch this. Jesus is explaining the word, but then they finally get to his house, and they sit around a table, and they eat. And when they start eating, it's like a light bulb comes on. Like, oh my gosh, it's him. Now let me explain some stuff. Back then, in their day, eating with others expressed intimate fellowship and trust. Okay? So, so like families, friends, they'd gather with the people that they really loved. And actually, in, in the book of Luke, which is what we're reading from, like Jesus around a table is like a theme. A lot of people who know a lot about the Bible, they'll, they'll make jokes. They'll be like, Jesus just parties his whole way through the book of Luke because all he does is eat. Like he's not watching his calories. He's on bulk season, okay? He's just having a good time eating with people. And, and it really translates to our day. 
Because the people that you invite to your house, not like the people, like the relatives your parents invite for you, and you're like, oh, we got to see Aunt Becky. But I'm talking about like the people you would invite to your house to eat around a table. They're people that you love. They're people that you care about. And Jesus shows, hey, I care about those kind of relationships. So watch this. Jesus sits down, eats, and expresses deep uh, love, deep friendship, just warmth. And at that moment, their eyes were open. Why? Because Jesus changes a heart, not just through his word explained, but also his warmth enjoyed. Everybody say his warmth enjoyed. Let me explain that. Through the word, our minds are like enlightened, but through his warmth, our hearts and, and our eyes are just completely like, oh my, if you don't know how much Jesus loves you, if you don't know that feeling of like the fact that Jesus really cares about you, like when Jesus thinks about you, he feels very warm. And so here's my question, because this would mess me up when I was y'all's age. How do you view God? Do you view him as like a harsh taskmaster, as somebody who's just waiting for you to mess up? Do you see him as a rule keeper? Do you see him exactly as your father? Until you know that Jesus, who sits down with you at the table, breaks bread, and is like, man, that's the kind of person I am, you don't really know who Jesus is. My mind was blown when I realized, you know, you hear all the time, Jesus loves you. Like the first, that's like lesson one at kids' church. Jesus loves you. Right? That's like lesson one. Jesus loves you. And if you're not careful, that'll get stale. And I think my mind was blown when I realized Jesus doesn't just love me. He actually likes me too. Like if I were, like I think, I'm embarrassed to say this, but I've said it every service. Sometimes I pray, and my prayers aren't very like, Lord, Father, by the beard of your son. You know, like they're not weird. But, I don't know, Josh, shut up. Um, Naruto, you don't even watch Naruto. Okay, like my prayer, literally like I'll make jokes in my prayers because I just like, I just have to be me. So I like make jokes in my prayers and sometimes I feel like God's like, yeah, you're kind of funny. Like, like I don't, like he's never said that. Like he's never been like, Jeffrey, you're funny. But... But, like, I'm, what I'm telling you is, like, you got to see Jesus for who he is. Jesus is not, like, some savior that's weird and distant. He's, like, the type that you could invite to the living room, chop it up, and have a good meal and, and really care about you. And what I'm saying is when they experienced that Jesus, their eyes opened. And when I understood Jesus was like that, like, I could picture Jesus, like, busting through a room and be like, what's up? Then I was like, man, what a cool God. And so it's not just the word explained, but it's also the warmth and joy, knowing who Jesus really is, not seeing him how you want to see him, but seeing him as like this guy who is around the table, always hanging out. Do you know that when Jesus thinks of you, he has so many warm feelings towards you? Some You ever been to like camp and or winter, whatever, and like there's a worship set? Lord, I got to stop talking about this. I can't. And, and, like, you just, like, 
break down crying in the worship set. Anybody, have you ever had that happen? And all you feel is like the love of God. I've had that happen like not even at a, one time we were road tripping to Canada. I was in college, it was 4 a.m. I was eating fried chicken in the front seat. I'll never forget it. And my friend was like, you got the ox? And I was like, yeah. So I played some devotional music and on the way to Canada, for whatever the reason, the Holy Spirit just fell like not in the car, just in my passenger seat. And so I was just like, God, you are so good. And I had the, I had like the, I was so embarrassing. It was like me and all my bros. And, and I had the, I had the, the armrest down and I was just trying to hide it. And Zach was driving. He's like, you good? I was like, yeah, you good? <laughs> Listen, like God, but God wants you to feel his warmth all the time. It is so important to have the word of God taught in a way that it, like enlightens your mind so that you're not believing crazy things. But you also need the word of God, uh, the, the, the warmth of God that lets you know, like, I'm not just a book. I'm a person who loves you. It, there's, it's both and. I got to move on. So let me say last thing. Okay, last thing about this. You know what I love to see too? I love to see you guys in church because you need it. Lord knows. But, but I love to see you guys hanging out outside of church. Like I like to see like on your Instagram stories, like people like from church that are like at your house, hanging around, hanging out around a table. Why? Because believers carry the spirit of Jesus and Jesus at a table. That his, that's like his heart to change your heart. Like, you don't know Jesus until you know that Jesus and until you know friends that communicate that Jesus with you. So, you need the word explained. Everybody say the word explained. And the warmth and joy. But what else? They finally uh, finish their, their walk, whatever. And the Bible says when, when they eat, right, their eyes are opened, and then Jesus just disappears, which I think is jacked up, but that's the sermon for a different time. Like, oh, my gosh, it's where to go. Um, but this is how it ends. They tell each other in verse 32. They say, didn't our hearts? It's not up there. Lord bless the media. Hey, they work hard. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? So get this, after a seven-mile walk, they finally get it. But this is what I need you to see. Think how patient Jesus was with them, okay? Because it was a seven-mile walk, but it wasn't like a pleasant walk. They're literally seven miles just misspeaking on his name. For seven miles, they're like, that failed savior. You know what I'm talking about? And Jesus is like, yeah. And they don't know it's him. Just misspeaking on his name. But he's so patient with them. And here's what you got to know. Seven in the Bible, it represents either completion or maturity. I'm sorry, completion or perfection. And so um, what you have to understand in this scripture is Jesus walks with them completely and perfectly until they really understand who he is. So the last way that Jesus changes your heart isn't just his word explained, isn't just his warmth enjoyed, but lastly, it's when you see his walk endured. Everybody say his walk endured. Now let me explain this. Can you imagine how dumb these two guys probably felt? Like when they realized it was Jesus, they were probably like, bro, how embarrassing. If we were literally talking about him to him, saying all this stuff like, he was a failure, and he was just there walking with us. But at some point, you know that they were like, but man, how patient must he have been? Like, he still walked with us. He still sat down, chopped it up, and ate with us. 
And he still explained it all, even though we were misspeaking on his name the whole time. And here's what you have to see when you read the Bible. You should never be Jesus in the story. You should always make yourself be the other characters. Because the truth is we are all like those two guys. And a heart changes when you realize, wait, wait, wait. Jesus didn't just walk with them until they understood. Jesus walked with me, and he walked with you, and he's walking with me, and he's walking with you through all of our stupidity, through all of our ignorance, through all of our pride, to one day we open our eyes and we think, oh my gosh, Jesus, literally you've been here the whole time, even though I don't deserve to have you by my side, I've misspoken on your name, I've done this, that, and the other, but literally you've walked with me this whole time. Listen, I don't know where you sit with God, where you, whether he's your savior, whether he's just something that you're interested in, but he's trying to open your eyes to his word, to his warmth. But at the end of the day, you have to know he endured the most painful walk for you. A walk with a cross on his back so that he could have you by his side. And until you see Jesus for who he really is, let me tell you my prayer for you. My prayer for you is that one day you're like those two men where your eyes open and you're like, oh my gosh. I was literally thinking Jesus was a joke. I literally thought he was nowhere to be found in this situation, but now all of a sudden I see that when I was in the middle of my doubt, when I was in the middle of my addiction, when I was in the middle of whatever you're going through, your depression, your pride, your ignorance, your stubbornness, he never left me the whole time. In fact, he was the one there carrying me, guiding me the right way. What in the world? Until you see that, y'all, there are so many times that I look back on my life when I was, even when I was in your age, and it wasn't like I had like this crazy rebellious moment, but it's like, Lord, I was not even taking you serious. There were parts of my life where I was treating you like a joke. There were parts of my life I was treating you like you weren't who you said you were, but you walked with me through all of that. And, and I look at what he's kept me from. I look at who he's kept in my life. I look at the people he sent my way. Everything possible he could do to open my eyes and say, I'm still here. And whether you want to acknowledge me or not, whether you want to speak on my name right or not, I'm never going to quit walking with you. I'm never going to quit loving you. And I'm always going to be here until your eyes open. Until you see that, your heart's never really going to change. And watch this. I got to show you one more thing. I don't even, it was just cool to me. If you feel Jesus stirring in your heart, you got you to, gotta, he knocks at the door, and you got to let him in. But when you let him in, you just got to know he's a terrible guest, okay? This is what I mean. Did you notice? He's at their house. But look at verse 30. I thought it was funny. Verse 30 says, as they sat down to eat, Jesus took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it, and he gave it to them. Jesus starts serving them at their house. What the heck? When have you ever invited a guest over to your house? And they were like, yeah, let me get the food out of the oven. Here you go. It would be weird. Jesus is a terrible guest. But what I'm telling you is be careful. I almost named this message when the guest becomes the host. Because if you let Jesus in as a guest, he don't stay a guest for long. He likes to take over, take control, and leave you with a lot more hope than you had when you first invited him in. That's just how he does it. So God alone really can change your heart. Three ways. As I wrap this up, his word explained, his warmth enjoyed, and his walk endured. Maybe Jesus is changing your heart. Maybe it's for the first time to believe. Maybe it's just to believe and to to follow him at a deeper level. But whatever he's doing, listen to him and follow him. 
He doesn't want to be a guest for long. He likes to take over, make your heart his home, and he takes care of his home. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for these amazing students and amazing leaders, God, that are here. I just ask that, Lord, our hearts, on, on this side of earth, our heart is never going to be where it needs to be. You're always going to be changing it. So let us always be passionate about your word. Let us always be passionate about feeling your presence and your warmth. And, Lord, let us always, 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 always see the walk you endure for us. God, the walk that you took where we were misspeaking on your name, doubting you, just to show us I was there all along, and I'll be there the next time you doubt too. God, let that soften our heart because we don't deserve you, but we love you. Hey, as we stay in an attitude of prayer, I just got two questions to ask. Here's the first one. If you're in here and you're like, Pastor G, the truth is I'm not even sure that, you know, today if I were to take my last breath that I'd be with Jesus in heaven or if I'd be in hell for eternity. But today I need to make sure that my life is right with Christ. I want Jesus, you say to be the Lord and Savior of my life. If that's you with no one looking around, on the count of three, would you just raise your hand right where you're at? One, two, three. Awesome. If you're in here today and you say, Pastor G, the truth is at one time I was a believer, but I haven't really been living like God asked me to. But today I know that I need to rededicate my life to him. I need to let him be my Lord, my Savior, and a real priority in my life. If that's you on the count of three, you say, yeah, that's me. I need to rededicate my life. Would you just raise your hand right where you are? One, two, three. Awesome, 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 awesome. Cool. Well, do me a favor. Put your hand on your heart. Everybody repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner, but I know you're a Savior. Thank you for loving me when I didn't care about you. Thank you for running me down when I was running away. Make me new. If I fall. Give me the grace to get back up. Put people in my path who will lead me towards you. I believe that you are Lord. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen.